2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is from everlasting to everlasting that your, the entrance of your word brings us light, brings us direction, uh, lights our path. Father, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for entrusting your, your word to us. We approach your word today uh, with respect and with reverence. And Father, we thank you for the power that is in your word, that your word has power to set us free from any bondage that we or the devils uh, could bring upon ourselves. Father, we thank you for the power of your word to bring us light in, in the midst of darkness. We thank you for the power of your word to bring freedom in the midst of being trapped. Father, we thank you for uh, the power of your word, uh, that the entrance of your word causes even scales that have been built up upon our spiritual eyes to fall off and that we can see and we can know because of your word. Father, we pray today as we approach your word, we look to you and to your spirit. We thank you that he uh, is with us and in us. We pray today, Father, that as we speak, that our tongue would be like the pen of a, a writer that's ready to write. Father, that your spirit uh, speaking through us uh, would open up, would unfold and reveal uh, the truths that are in your word to every spirit, to every person that can hear and can see. And Father, we pray that every one of us would have ears to hear what your spirit's saying and eyes to see what your spirit's showing us. Father, we thank you that when you deliver a word to us, when you reveal yourself to us, that the perspective of everything, everything takes its right place, its proper place, its true place. Father, we thank you for the spirit of reality that he is on the inside of us and, and we yield to him now and he makes uh, all of the things of your kingdom and your family and this life, this Christ life, he makes all of those things real to us. Father, and he makes you real to us. And, and He brings the things that you carry and that you have and that you want delivered to us. He delivers them right on the inside of us. Not out far, but right near. Near us even in our hearts. Uh, Father, that you show us by your Spirit and you teach us by your Spirit. Thank you, Father, that we're not uh, those that need to walk in fear of the condition of the world, but because you show us things to come and you prepared ahead of time a people reserved for these days, a people reserved for your use, ready and able uh, for you to move through and talk through, for you to show up through. Father, we thank you in these days for your miracle working power. We thank you, Father, in these days for your delivering power. Father, we thank you in these days for your peace that goes beyond what the natural world has the ability to bring. We thank you for your peace that not only has uh, peace here in this day, in this, in this hour, in this time, but that your peace that's within us goes on into eternity, that that peace we carry with us, that that peace has become a part of us. Father, we thank you for your peace that passes all of our natural ability to wrap our brain and mind around and comprehend and even our emotions to understand. Father, I thank you for that peace that goes deep and and arises deep within us from where we're one with you. Father, we thank you for your peace, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the anointing of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, I'm going to read it one more time. Uh, we're not looking, or while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So our gaze and our, our focus and our attention is not upon the, just things that are of the natural that we may see with our natural eyes, that we may see the condition that we see before us. Whether it's the condition of our body, whether it's the condition of our relationships, whether it's the condition of our finance, whether it's the condition uh, of our jobs, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Uh, because the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And so how shallow and short-sighted would it be to just focus on what we see right here today uh, with the flesh, the condition that we see things in, and say, well, we might as well just give up because look at the condition of everything. Look at the condition of my body. Uh, anyhow, look at the condition uh, uh, of my emotions. Uh, look at the condition of my car, right, or my finance, right? Well, if you just go by that, you're not even going to do good in natural things because the, the natural world, what is seen, has been made uh, from that which is not seen. And so uh, the natural world even itself knows, and the Bible says in Romans, is groaning for the redemption of the sons of God and its own redemption. In other words, the redemption of a child or a son or a daughter of God uh, has an effect even on the condition of the animals and the plants and the earth itself. Uh, but the earth itself, it's groaning uh, for that last and final redemption, uh, that final change. And so um, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, because what you can see is subject to change. So if I put my trust in a government check, that is subject to change. If I put, if I put my trust in, you know, it's, I think it's quite unfortunate, but if I put my trust in a company that I have worked for for 25 or 35 years, well, people found out about 15, 20 years ago, some people that used to, you know, that, well, I'm going to get the watch and I'm going to get the whatever they give, you know. Um, a, a lot of them gave Rolexes or something like that. Uh, but then they found out like five years before, companies got greedy and said, hey, let's, uh, it's cheaper to hire these young guys, these young gals, you know, so we're going to let you go. So I can't put my trust in the company uh, because the company is really trying to put their trust in finance. And so I can't put my trust in the company. And uh, if I put my trust uh, in my vision and my focus on another person, well, that person's going to let you down. I'm here to tell you. If that person's me, for sure, he'll let you down. <laughs> uh, why? Because I'm natural. Uh, I have, excuse me, I have natural flesh. I'm supernatural in my spirit, but I have a natural flesh, and I have natural emotions, and I am not Jesus, and I am not perfect, but Jesus is perfect. I think one of the ways you could take and boil down the Christian life more than any other is to just boil it down to this. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is the soon and coming king. If your focus is on Jesus, 
If you looked on him to receive, if your expectation, David said, my expectation is only on the Lord. My expectation is on no one else but the Lord. Well, you'll live a much happier life because you're not expecting someone to give you something, whether it is uh, physical, whether it is recognition, whether it is position. Uh, You look to the Lord and he meets your needs. And when he meets your needs, he just doesn't meet them. He exceeds them. And so um, my expectation is only on him. I will not put my expectation on another human uh, because uh, that's not fair to the other human and it's also not fair to God. And that human has nothing good but what they have received from God. So why bypass? Just go straight to headquarters, right? And so the Lord will use people. Uh, We are his hands, his feet. The way that he speaks today primarily to the world is through believers, The way that he heals today in the world is through believers praying, believers laying hands, believers speaking, believers anointing, believers commanding in the name of Jesus. And so it is with his authority and with his power that he works in the earth, but he has chosen, and you could almost say linked and connected himself to the cooperation of of mankind so much so that if man doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. Uh, But God uh, does not rely upon any man. But He believes so much in all of us that He has given unto us the anointing and He has given unto us the authority to do His work in the earth. And So if you don't do it, who's going to do it? If I don't do it, who's going to do it? So while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, because the things that are seen are temporary uh, or subject to change. And so one time the Lord told uh, Kenneth Hagin, um, you know, I'll judge you quicker on motives of your heart than actions of your flesh, like sins of the flesh. I'll judge people more quickly on that. Uh, Why? Because God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so sometimes you can find out the person who looks like the most religious is actually uh, comes up kind of black and dark before the Lord because uh, they're acting in self-righteousness or the things that they're doing, they're doing so other people will see and be like, oh, wow, aren't they amazing? Aren't they faithful to God? Aren't they a prayer? Aren't they a giver? And they're doing it to get the credit of man. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet and don't let anybody know what you're doing. We don't have to physically go into your closet, but if you have a big enough one, it might be a good idea. Um, But, uh, in other words, he that sees what you do in secret, he will reward you openly. And when you're the one that rewards yourself, and you're the one that toots your own horn, uh, man, you get uh, the, the, um, the fleshly pleasure of that for a moment. But when God exalts you, it is eternal uh, because it comes from eternity and it affects eternity and it affects the here and now. And so uh, we don't look at the things or get hung up on the things that are seen. Those are subject to change, the temporal, the temporary. Uh, we focus on the eternal. And so in doing that, we, we will not live a life full of shame, but we will live a shameless life. And a shameless life only comes one way, and that is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Because otherwise, you're trying to do it, you're trying to perform, you're trying to make it happen, and uh, you're trying to accomplish it. And somebody said, well, wait a minute, does that mean if I'm born again, I don't need to do anything? Oh, no, uh, you don't understand or you've never been born again. Because the second that you receive Jesus, if you ever receive Jesus, you will have such a life flow in your spirit, and that life flow will produce works. You don't produce works to get the flow of life, but the flow of life will produce righteous works. And so it's not that I am trying to make myself good enough and acceptable enough by the works that I do, but it's when I see and begin to get a little bit of light and a glimpse, maybe you could call it, of what God has done for me in Christ Jesus that I have a, an inward motivation, I have an inward anointing, I have an inward unction that, that says, whoa, uh, if He loved me so much. You know, Jesus said, you know, the Pharisees, who, who we were talking about, they're kind of struggling with a lot of shame last week, uh, and they're trying to produce their standing with the Lord. Uh, Jesus said, uh, when he was at uh, one of the Pharisees' house, and Mary uh, was uh, anointing his feet with oil, you know, with her own hair, and, and, and uh, preparing him really uh, for his burial, and they're like, you know, uh, self-righteous people a lot of times are focused on money. And so they said, like, well, that money should have, that perfume should have been sold and given to the poor. That is worth a whole year's worth of wages. And um, Jesus is kind of correcting them. And he said, you know, you should have done it. I came into this house. Nobody offered to wash my feet. Nobody offered me anything. Yet this woman, she saw me. And she took this most precious thing that she had been saving up for, that's a year's worth of wages, and she actually did this act, and this will not be taken from her, and this will be spoken about her for all time and eternity. And then he said, um, uh, what did he say? Uh, well, it'll come back in just a second. <laughs> so she's washing his feet uh, with this expensive thing, and they're, they're all concerned about the cost, and uh, they're focused on other things. And uh, uh, so she is given this and doing this act. Thank you. And she, so she said, you know, uh, Jesus has kind of explained to them why she's doing this. And he said, he that has been forgiven much, loves much. And so in other words, this woman was, according to man's standards, a horrible sinner. I think she was sleeping with a bunch of people and doing a bunch of stuff where people would be like, what are you doing? But yet she had a heart change and her heart was right. And the Pharisee's heart was wrong. And the Pharisee's motivation and motives were wrong. And so he said, he that is forgiven much loves much. And the, the example of that actually was that she took this that was worth a year's worth of wages. And she did something that the world looking at it and seeing was like, he's having a prostitute rub his feet, wash his feet with her hair, with oil? Just, just you know, Corinthians actually talks about that the natural mind 
cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. And so this was of the Spirit of God. This was motivated by God's Spirit. And so they stumbled over it because they were looking at the temporary. They were looking at the scene. They didn't see the heart of the Father in the action of the woman who was yielded to Him. They didn't see the heart of the Father in the action of the one who had been forgiven so much and was so conscious of what, what she was forgiven from that it caused this big change. And so when we started this series before, um, you know, volume one, maybe you could say we're in volume two now, but we started volume one before Easter and talking about if I be lifted up, uh, I'll draw all men unto me. And so what did we see? We saw Christ lifted up on the cross, but then what was on Him on the cross? What was on Him was our sins and our nature, our sin nature, our pattern or our... our, um inheritance of sinning, our pattern of sinning, our iniquity, the Bible calls it, uh, that was on Him, and we saw that on Him. And I believe when she was, when she was washing His feet, she saw Him, uh, in a sense, uh, lifted up on that cross, and she realized, wait a minute, this man is divine, and He has forgiven me of my sins, which are many. And I am so thankful, and I am so grateful. So if you ever catch a glimpse of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus, there is no really concern that you're going to be able to ever have satisfaction in life but by the works uh, that you do for the Lord, by yielding yourself to Him and letting Him speak through you. Uh, letting Him uh, give through you your finance, letting Him heal through you by you laying hands uh, in faith in God, by you anointing with oil by your faith in God, by you speaking words because of your faith in God, because of your residence in heaven, because you're actually seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus at the very right hand of God, and that is the seat of all authority, the seat of all power, and if there is a declaration and a command that comes forth from that place, then there is not a possibility that there is any being in heaven, on earth, or under the earth that can actually go a different direction from what that command says, because every being in heaven and earth and under earth will bow, and every being, uh, every evil spirit, every demon of hell, the devil himself, has already had their power stripped and removed from them by the power of the blood of Jesus. They thought they had him all tied up. They thought they had this all wrapped up that they were crucifying the very Son of God and somehow they found a way. The only way you think that is if you're full of pride, you're so puffed up that you're blinded and you're about ready to fall. And so this is exactly what happened to the devil. And the Bible says if he would have known, he never would have crucified not the Lord of doom and gloom, not the Lord of defeat and failure, but the Lord of glory and power and might. He never would have crucified him because Jesus Jesus touched death at every point. Jesus had sin at every point. So that when he rose from the dead, death would have no power at any more points and sin would have no power at any more points, right? Because he touched it at every point and he dominated it at every point and he experienced it and and he, he took it. So... Uh, We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And our identification is then with Jesus Christ and not with our natural mother, our natural father, or our natural selves, or Jesus himself as a natural man. Uh, Let's look over there. Uh, Where's that at? Praise the Lord. I believe it's... uh, Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's... 
hilarious. That's right where I'm at. Okay. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter five. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's always a uh, you have to be led. Which translation? There's so many good ones. You know, I'm going to start with Amplified, uh, but i got to start with King James for the first two verses, <laughs> just for the first two verses because I didn't write them down in Amplified. Okay, verse 15, 2 Corinthians 5.15, and then we're going to go uh, to Amplified after that, and then we're going to go to Passion after that. So if you can remember all that, KJ, just say, I remember uh, in Jesus' name, and it's amazing the ability you have. Okay, uh, because of him, not because of you. Okay, and so... Verse 15, and that he died for all, verse 14, for the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ constrains us. What, what's your holding power? What's your anchor? What's your sticking power? Why, 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 and how, how, how could you do it? Why? Because of the love of Christ. It constrains me. Why do you give of yourself? Because the love of Christ constrains me. Why do you refuse to be selfish? Because the love of Christ constrains me. Why do you witness for Jesus? Because the love of Christ constrains me. And when I see what He's done, and I know who I am apart from Him, and I'm, I become conscious and aware of what's happened to me and why I would try to go my own way and do my own things, well, then when I see that I, what I am and those things I see him uh, on those things on him on the cross when I see him become conscious of those things more than just a natural consciousness or a natural understanding but I look and I see even from my spirit that those things uh, that I, I'm so ashamed of and so embarrassed of and so don't want to be a part of and don't want to see show up in my life when I see those things placed on him on the cross I fall in love because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by his spirit and when I recognize those things and yield to those things, then I see and I know that these things have changed me and these things constrain me and hold me in the right place and put me down the right path and cause my vision even to change and my focus. So I'm not looking at natural things and focusing on natural ways, but I'm looking unto Jesus. I'm looking to the author, the author of my faith, the finisher, the completer uh, to bring to perfection and full completion. I look to Him. And so when I'm looking to Him, it is actually an act of faith and an act of trust. And in that act of faith, an act of trust, there is such freedom that I don't have to produce and I don't have to come up with and I don't have to figure out, but I can actually sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride because with him, he's on my side. And when he's on my side, I don't have to worry what men would do unto me, what women would do unto me, what children would do unto me, what older people would do unto me because God has made a way where uh, when I looked at natural things, I couldn't see a way, but when I looked to him, I saw spiritually and I saw spiritual things and he made a way. And in that way, uh, there were hindrances is removed and things that would set before me and were set before me even as traps from the enemy, even things that would try to surround me and encompass me and cause me even to take a pill that would put me to sleep, that I go through life asleep and not aware. Um, but Jesus himself, he granted me a change of direction. And when he granted me that change of direction, I woke up and I saw. And when I saw, I began to realize, wait a second, look what he's done and look who I've become. And it's all because of him. And so that realization and that revelation and that light gave me freedom and the freedom set me free from the power of the devil and set me free even from trying to do things myself and the 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 work of my own flesh and 
that I in my own self could work these things and be found in favor with God. Actually, no, it shut that down. And when it shut it down, it caused me to enter into a whole new sphere of reality. And in this sphere of reality, I am no longer my Lord and I no longer call the shots. Yet, therefore, I don't even have the responsibility, but the responsibility is on Him who has set me free, on Jesus Himself. And when I look to Him, oh, it's such freedom, it's such life, it's such uh, uh, revelation and such... uh, uh, what is that? Samohakia. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. It is such a place. It is such a place of grace. It is such a place of glory that it's a place of rest. And in that place, I enter in, enter into the work that He has done. I enter in, enter into the place of faith. And that place uh, is a place where I can run my race freely. I can run my race like I've got a, a shot of, of power from heaven. Like I've got a, a shot of, I don't mean like a, 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 I was, when I said that, I saw like, because somebody's smiling and laughing at me, like a shot, like a, like a, a medicine shot, not like this kind of shot. But whatever kind of shot, because don't be drunk with wine, but be full of the Holy Ghost, right? Because that is excess. Uh, that, is, that, is, that is natural excess. But let me tell you, when you get connected with Holy Spirit excess, he, there is more than enough power. There is more than enough joy. There is more than enough strength. There is more than enough direction. There is more than enough light. There is more than enough love. That's why the Bible says in Romans 5.5, 5, the love of God has been poured into our hearts in more than enough fashion. Shed abroad. That's an old way to say there's a lot there's a whole lot there's more than enough uh, from the El Shaddai God we got El Shaddai love and so the love of God constrains us the love of God keeps us in the right place the love of God oh the love of God oh thank God for your love hallelujah thank you for your love mm. sets me free from fear uh, he that love uh, loves <laughs> He that fears has not been made perfect in love because perfect love casts out all fear and fear has torment. But torment is removed by the love of God because the love of God in every, in every way is perfect. In every, if there's like a void in your life, something missing in your life, there's like a gap and maybe that gap was produced by yourself or someone else, but that gap actually is filled by the love of God. That gap produces fear, and that fear produces torment, and then, the, and then there's, there's like a driving force, like a, a pushing, and, and a, um, uh, like you're being forced, and you have to do this, and this is the only reaction you can have, and this is the only thing you can do. No, that's the devil trying to, ty- trying to steal from you. That's the devil lying to you. That's the devil trying to keep you captive. Uh, uh, that's over. Let's look over uh, r- real quickly, and we'll go back to the the Corinthians one. Uh, but second second Timothy chapter two uh, and verse twenty five in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Isn't that amazing? You can oppose your own self. Like, why is everybody against me? That's actually not everybody. It's you. Okay. <laughs> uh, instructing those that oppose themselves. Uh, somebody said, uh, "What was it?" I don't remember if it was Abraham Lincoln. Somebody can tell me. Roosevelt. I think it was Roosevelt, you know. Um, and uh, he said, if I ever find the man who has given me all the trouble in life and I kick him in the seat of the pants as hard as I can, I won't be able to sit down for a week. <laughs> so in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves...
when you say some of those things, you're opposing yourself. You think you're opposing other people, opposing this, opposing that. If you're talking hate, you're opposing yourself. If you're talking lies, you're opposing yourself. If you're talking pride, you're opposing your own self. The Bible actually says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so you want to find God resisting you, or if you find God resisting you, what's the indicator of? I just feel like he's resisting everything I'm doing. I am, I am working hard. I have come up with a lot of good ideas, and I, and I know what I'm doing. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Lord, how should I do this? Lord, what do you think about this? Lord, did I understand what you said to me correctly? Lord, is that the direction you want me to go? Could you explain more of that, about that to me? Lord, I, I believe what you said is this, but maybe my judgment's not as clear as yours. So what do you, what, give me more on that. Why, why don't you tell me more about it? You said you'd reveal truth. You said you sent your spirit and he's my teacher. There couldn't be a better teacher than him, so uh, I'm going to look from my spirit now to your spirit because I trust him to teach me all things, everything I need to know. And even if you, if you know there's uh, danger ahead or that I should make a change and go a different way, you said that you'd show me things to come, so show that to me. I, I put a, a demand on that, a, a humble demand. I'm expecting you to do that, because not because I came up with it. It wasn't my idea, but you actually said, in your word you said this, and I am a man that honors your word. I am a woman that honors your word. I respect your word. This is what you said, and so... Um, Whatever needs to be done for me to see and know that, I believe you've done all the work, but if I'm, if I'm causing hindrance in any way, like, like David said over in uh, Psalm 19, Lord, you test me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. And like uh, Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, what is it, I think chapter 4 at the beginning, he said, uh, you know, uh, my conscience is clear, but that might not be the best judge. You judge me, right? So you let me know uh, and you show me. But over there, those that oppose themselves, if God per adventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Well, what is that when God gives repentance? God grants repentance. Uh, well, we'll find out in verse 26. That they may recover themselves. The margin of my Bible actually says that they may awake. That they may awake uh, themselves out of the snare of the enemy. Hallelujah. Who were taken captive by him at his will. So that they may recover, they may awake themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive uh, at him, uh, by him at his will. In other words, the will of the devil or the enemy is that you be a captive to him. That you're his slave, you're his servant, you're his captive, uh, you're his prisoner. 
And so he can do with you what he wants to do. And he can take you where he wants to take you. And he can strip you of all ability and, and all power, uh, that you don't have anything to your name, that he takes your watch from you so you don't know what time it is, that he puts you in a dark room so you don't know what day it is, you don't know if it's morning, you don't know if it's night, um, and uh, you know that you, that you are um, totally and utterly defeated. And so the will of the enemy... Uh, you know, he's a liar, and he was a liar from the beginning. And uh, he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come uh, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. Amen. So, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if peradventure God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So what happens is, uh, through our own um, insecurities, or our own pride, or our own uh, self-consciousness, uh, we get to the point where we kind of fall asleep, or we take a sleeping pill from the devil. Like he's a deceiver, and so he like, well, this is better for you, and you could do this. You know, you'll be valued. If, 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 if everybody knows what you did, they'll like you. If everybody knows what you did, uh, then they'll uh, praise you. Uh, you know, and we say, well, you know, to God be the glory. Well, sometimes people just say that uh, in word only, but not from their heart and not in action. And um, the reality is uh, there's a lot more to giving God the glory than just saying to God be the glory. It's actually giving God the glory. You're like, look what the Lord has done. Isn't Jesus awesome? Isn't Jesus wonderful? And when you see how wonderful he is, you're like that woman, that there is no cost that's too great to honor and to worship him. And so it is a privilege to give up your life for his life. It is a privilege to, to work for him. Jesus even said, you know, they say well, he went saw the woman at the well and they came back from the city and they're like, oh, uh, it's time to eat. It must be time to eat. Let's go get food. Uh, very food conscious. And so um, they're like, I'm shaking already. Like, uh, I can't handle this. And he said, you know, what did he do? He spoke. It's in Matthew. And he spoke and he said, my meat is to do the will of God and finish his work. What does that mean? Well, I looked it up. It actually means like my meat, my substance, my food, or what is sustaining me, what sustains me. So they're like, Jesus, we are sustained by eating, you know, hamburgers and hot dogs or something. Or if they were vegetarian, uh, which probably they weren't. We are sustained by eating like figs and barley, right? So Jesus, so Jesus, Ezekiel bread, right? Okay, so Jesus, Jesus is with his faith, which he got from the word of God. He says, and he separates himself from the power of the flesh. Because I believe one of the reasons he said it is, he was hungry, physically hungry. So he said, wait, what's going to sustain me is doing the will of God and finishing his work. Not some natural thing. Because it's so easy to get distracted uh, by things floating in the air or by natural things. <laughs> so you're kind of like, I, I, I need to have this. I need to do this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go this direction. And you see this temporal, temporary thing. 
and you let this dictate, you let this get into your heart. And then once this gets into your heart, decisions start to be made that alter the course that your life is on and the direction that you're going. And as you take a step by step, the first step was a little off, and the next step a little more, and the next step a little more. And before you realize it, you have entered the snare of the enemy, and darkness and sleep have overtaken you, and now you are groggy in life, and groggy in your spiritual life, and you're wondering what's going on. Well, receive the instruction of the Lord, and you'll wake up and realize that wasn't even me. That was the enemy who tricked me and surrounded me before I even realized it. But God will grant repentance to you. And repentance doesn't mean like, turn the burn, brother. Turn the burn. It can include that. But repentance actually means that you think about your life and where it is now, what direction it's headed, and you make a conscious decision to redirect it to God. You're like, this is what I'm doing. I'm not going to do this. This isn't me. The Bible says when they came to their senses, that, that we, don't, we don't, or we aren't lulled to sleep by our focus, but our focus is on eternal things. And when our focus is on eternal things, then we're able to see how God sees and what God sees. And we're able to keep free from the power of the enemy to... to um, trap us or tie us down. For the love of God constrains us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5.14, because we judge thus, if one died for all, then everybody was dead. And he died for all that they which live should no longer or henceforth not live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Uh, wherefore, henceforth, in other words, from now on, we know no man after the flesh. Yeah, uh, though we've known Christ in the flesh, uh, we don't know him this way any longer. Amplified. Verse 17. Therefore, if any person be engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation. A new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. But all things are from God, oh, so, who, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with Him. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with Himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of restoration to favor. So we as Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us, we as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake, 
to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. King James, For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So this favor that we get from God or this right standing with God, how, what kind of standing is it? And what kind of favor is it? Or what kind of righteousness is it? And, and, and how does it come? In other words, um, he said, we have been made the righteousness of God. He did not say that we have been declared the righteousness of God. He did not say that we have been counted as the righteousness of God. He did not say God considers us the righteousness of God. He did not say that we're supposed as the righteousness of God, that we are uh, calculated, it's calculated up, and I calculated, okay, you're the righteousness of God. He did not say we are called the righteousness of God. He did not say God judged and said, okay, I judge you as my righteousness. We are not regarded as the righteousness of God. We are not viewed the righteousness of of God, we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I looked up the root word for that, and it's the exact same root word of the, you know, the root word? Genesis. It's like a new beginning, right? And so we have been made the righteousness of God. God has made us his righteousness. So it's not something that we, that even is like, you know, because why? Well, if you say, I have been accounted as the righteousness of God. Well, that means God counted it up and, and just counted it, but I actually haven't become it. Well, how do you become it? You become by a genesis or a birth, or this is what has come into being. It's the same word um, when Jesus was talking and said, before Abraham was, I am. Right? And so God is, Jesus is the I am. Not the I came into being. No, He is the I am. I, 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 I was, I am, I forevermore will be. Jesus is I am. Who shall I say has sent me? I am. So He said before Abraham was meaning before Abraham was born. So here in 2 Corinthians 5.21, we find out he's talking about verse 17. It's still the same exact context. If any man be in Christ or be united to Christ or be engrafted into Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But you have to look and behold it. So it's not just looking, but it's actually beholding. In other words, let that sink into your heart what has happened, who you've become, what happened in your union with Christ. In other words, in my union with Christ, here's something that'll really help you, you know, because you may have a hesitancy because you're so familiar with the weaknesses of your flesh. But this is anyone who lets the life of God flow in them. So this is actually talking about the life of God. The, th the thing is, we've become one with the very life of God in our own spirits, and that's how our own spirit was recreated and how we were made. 
And so we were made righteous. We don't become righteous. We were made righteous. We don't grow into righteousness. We don't do enough good things, enough right things that we um, then finally are declared righteous. No, we are born righteous when we are reborn from above. Jesus said you must be born all over again with a new father, with, uh, with, with new, a new source of your life, and that source is God. You must be born again. So the way that you do this is you're born again. And when you're born again, you become God's favored child. You become God's loved child in His love house, uh, and you become what's right about God in Christ, right? And so you become uh, what God has made you to be, and that is awesome. So if any man be united to Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Hallelujah. We thank you for the freedom that comes from your word. Hallelujah. I pray right now, Father, for every one of us. Father, if we need to make an adjustment, that you reveal it to us. If we need to make a change. If, we're, if we're, we've been deceived by the enemy and we're under the false impression that we're living for Jesus, but we're really just living for ourselves, Father, I ask you to reveal it to every one of us right now. If anybody meets those conditions, that's happening in any of our lives. Open up to us, Father. We don't want to go another moment uh, living uh, for ourselves. We want to live for Jesus every single day. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're uh, listening and you know in your heart that you've gone the wrong direction, that you've gotten distracted, let other things come in and take the place of Christ, that you, you maybe uh, slipped back on the throne of your life, <laughs> crawled back up in that seat, said, I want what I want. I want to do what I want to do. I want to be what I want to be. If that's you, and you know, I'm, I've got to make a change. Uh, I can't live this way anymore. It's not satisfying. It won't ever satisfy. The most satisfying thing is li- in life is to find out who you have become in Christ and let Him live His life through you. It will give you such uh, vigor, such mission, such purpose, such power, that you're, you don't have to give in to all those natural things, but you can allow and actually open yourself up to God himself to do miracles through your mouth, to do miracles through your hands, that you become Christ in the earth, such a freedom. So if that's you, I want you to make a decision right now and a declaration over your life. I want you to say, um, Father God, I'm going to live for you. I turn to you. I'm turning back to you. I'm not going to live for me anymore. I'm living for you. I resist the devil. And every smoke screen he would bring. 
I am a child of God. I am in the family of God. I have the nature of God. I hear from God. And I follow Him. I don't live full of regret. Father God, forgive me for mistakes in the past. I'm living for you. I will not be dominated by the past. I will not glorify myself. I will glorify you. I humble myself before you. And I give you the Lordship of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're watching and you've never received Jesus, you're like, how can I come back to someone I never was with? Well, uh, that's probably true. So what you do is you just believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. If you want to do that right now, I want to pray with you and for you. And I'm just going to pray a prayer. All you have to do is believe in your heart as you repeat after me the prayer and say it with your mouth and your life will be changed and you'll be brand new. Say this with me. Say, oh God, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe that He's your Son. I believe that He died on the cross to take away my sins. And I believe that you raised Him from the dead. And I take Him right now as my Lord and as my Savior. I'm going to live for Him from this day forward. Jesus is my Lord. Thank you, Father, for saving me, for giving me your nature, and giving me your life. In Jesus' name, amen.